Welcome to the Procure Strategy Podcast. Here, we talk about practical strategies and tips that lead to creating stronger supply chains and driving results. Here is your host, Louis Bastone. Hello, everybody. This is Louis Bastone, and I am excited to talk to you about interest-based negotiations today. We will be talking about what are interest-based negotiations, why should they be important to us as supply chain and procurement professionals, and most importantly, how do we implement them into our daily strategies to make sure that we are getting the most value creation out of our supplier negotiations. So I would like to start off by saying that there are three parts to every negotiation, and that is issues, positions, and interests. Issues are the topics both parties want to discuss. Positions are where each party stands on each topic. And interests are the underlying needs and wants that are not readily evident. Most people tend to focus on issues and positions and ignore interests. This is a big issue because interest is where a lot of value creation happens when it comes to negotiations. I'll give an example. When I was in college, we went over this case study and it was about a London developer that couldn't complete a medical center because one woman would not sell her home. Now, this developer went to this woman over and over offering more and more money. In fact, they offered this woman over double what her house was worth, and she would not take it. Finally, the owner of the development company got upset, and he went to the woman's house, and he said, how much money is it going to take to sell your home? We really don't know what else to offer at this point. And she said, my husband has passed away. And my dog is buried in the backyard, and I am not going to let you build a medical center over my dog. So the developer asked, is that the only issue? And the woman said, yes, it is. So the developer offered to very safely and carefully remove her dog and create a nice big memorial for the dog. And he said, if I do that, would you be okay with selling your house? And she said, absolutely, I would love that. The very interesting thing about this story is that the development company wasn't exactly focused on what this woman's interests were. They assumed, wrongfully so, that it was all about the money, but it wasn't about the money. It was about something that meant more to the woman than the money. Another example of this is the Oregon State Capitol Building. At the time, the state of Oregon was pushing solar energy to all of its citizens. Their capital, so beautiful and bright and vibrant with lights, was not solar at that point. And they realized that that was probably not a good message to the citizens of Oregon. But they didn't have any money in their budget to get solar energy on their capital building. So what they thought about and realized was maybe a solar company, would want to install their solar and in return, the Oregon State website would credit that supplier for doing that work and they would give a few tweets and a few shout outs to that supplier. 
They were very surprised to find out that a lot of suppliers took interest in this and a lot of suppliers bid on this and they ended up getting it done for free. It didn't cost them any money, but what they realized, and it was a good realization, was that it wasn't just about the money to the suppliers. What it was about is the recognition of being the supplier to install solar on the Oregon State Capitol building. Another example is a wood construction company had two lumber suppliers, and this was very specialized with the type of lumber that they can use. So they established these two suppliers as their strategic partners. One of these suppliers had a presence in the country that they were working out of, and the other supplier did not have a presence in the country that they were working out of. So they asked that supplier, is it a pain to come and do in-person meetings? And that supplier said, yes, it is. It's a pain to figure out where we can rent a workspace every time that we come for meetings when we're not in those meetings. And the wood construction company told that supplier when they know ahead of time that that supplier is coming for in-person meetings, they can dedicate some of their office space that is not being used for that supplier to use. On top of that, they offered to build custom furniture out of that lumber supplier's lumber. So when that supplier has meetings with other customers in the facility, they can talk about and show those customers the great quality of their lumber firsthand. This led to a 50% discount from the lumber supplier to the wood construction company. And this is the sort of thing that never would have gotten found out in a traditional negotiation, but yet created so much value for all parties involved. So this is all to say that as a procurement professional, you really should be gathering information in advance about your suppliers. This includes things like pre-meetings with the suppliers, looking up things like news articles, executive interviews, analyst reports, annual reports, doing internet searches, and talking to people who have personal experience working with that supplier. Another very powerful resource is to talk to employees of that supplier. And I've learned that although it is misconcepted that the higher up is usually the better to talk to, when it comes to trying to get information about that supplier and understanding the interests of that supplier, the employees that have their feet on the ground and working with other customers every day are usually the best resource to talk to. Understanding the other side's priorities is the most overlooked part of negotiations. You need to deeply understand the priorities of the other side. The more priorities that we can uncover as procurement professionals, the more that we can maximize value. We need to seek out differences in advance, and if they're adamant on something, then we need to understand why is it so valuable to them. We need to get excited about suppliers' demands. Normally, what we do is we try to figure out how we can avoid agreeing with a supplier's demands. The way that we really need to be looking at this is what can we learn from the demand? What does it tell us about the supplier's interests as a whole? If you are going to take anything out of this podcast, the next thing that I'm going to tell you is the most valuable. 
I'm going to give you 10 pre-negotiation questions that you should ask every supplier during the RFX phase. And all of these have their reasons, and I will give you the reason of each after I go through each question. So the first question that you should be asking is what percentage of your business will be coming from our firm with this proposed contract value? The reason why this is important is because this helps us understand if we're going to be more in the driver's seat during the negotiation than the supplier. Because if we are to be making up 20% of their business, if they get our business, we have a lot more leverage than if we're going to be making up 2% of their business. The next thing to ask is relative to your other customers, what is our organization's expenditure ranking with this proposed contract value? This is very important because it helps us understand what percentile of customer we will likely be in with this supplier and how valuable our business will be to them. The next question that you should always ask is, are you currently operating at full capacity? If a supplier says yes to this, it means that in order for them to take on your business, they need to get more plant property or equipment. This means that you'll likely see significantly higher prices than if the answer was no. The next question is, are you doing business in any other capacity with other divisions of our organization? Now, some companies are so big that you really don't know if a supplier is doing business with another division. So it's always good to ask to understand because if they are, then you can consolidate that business and get a lot more value than you would have been able to otherwise. Another question that's good to ask is if an agreement was reached, are there any target dates for placing the first order? This is important because they might be trying to hit a financial target by a certain time frame. Now, if they're trying to do that, this leads a procurement professional to understand that maybe paying the supplier earlier could lead to heavier discounts because they are trying to meet some sort of financial target by a certain time. Another question is, are there any industry segments or new markets for which you would like us to use this contract as a gateway? This is very important because if they say yes, and you are one of the first ones or the first customer in the industry that they want to break into, this means that there are some very valuable concessions that you might be able to give to them later, such as being part of some of their advertisements or calling up on non-competitors to give them recommendations to work with this supplier. Things such as that could be very valuable in the future for negotiation. Another one is what are the biggest challenges you are trying to tackle this year and are there one or two thorns in your side right now. This helps to understand what are some of the problems that this supplier is facing. It's very important that we know this because this leads us to understand what their interests might really be. And it leads us to be able to come up with solutions that may allow us to solve some of the problems that they're having, which is going to be very valuable for them. Another question to ask is what outcome from this deal would thrill your management and why? This is also very important because it helps us understand what are the goals of the company. 
In many instances, what I see is some companies are looking for a longer term contract, even if there's a cancellation for convenience clause, they will be thrilled with a five year over a three year contract. So what you would want to ask is, what can I get for signing on to a five year deal opposed to a three year deal? And then the last question is, what are the top success metrics your group is measured on? Now, you'll probably find a lot of the answers to this question interesting because companies generally measure their groups very different ways. And you can't assume that it's either just money or just uh, lead time or anything else. So this is also a great question to ask to understand how you might be able to provide value to this supplier during the negotiation. So these are things that you can ask, and these are the reasons why you should ask them. Something that you should never ask is what are all of your bottom line positions? Questions like this is what leads to the conversation only being about issues and positions and ignoring interests. After doing all of this due diligence, if you find the supplier values something more than you, figure out how to give it to them. What do we value that we'd be able to trade? The goal is always to have a low cost, high value trade for us while making sure that the supplier is also happy with the deal. I want you to make no mistake that we are getting paid to invent options in negotiations. We don't want to assume suppliers are only interested in the money. We need to investigate their interests, problems, and needs. Once we understand that, it allows us to invent options to give to the supplier that will benefit them while also creating value for us to get what we want in return and have the lowest total cost of ownership possible. The goal is to secure high value concessions in return for giving the supplier what they want. Novice negotiators, they only focus on the money. They focus on transferring value. They allocate assets to themselves. They go through issues one by one and they get less and so do their suppliers. Expert negotiators, they create many different forms of currency outside of money. They focus on creating value. They allocate assets to the party that values that asset more. They go through issues all at once to negotiate total packages and they get more and so do their suppliers. So just to recap, interest-based negotiation is deciding to focus more on the interests, which is the underlying needs and wants that are not readily evident, opposed to focusing on what most tend to, which are the issues and the positions. The reason why this is important is because it creates more value for the supplier, which means that it also creates more value for us in return. The way to do this is to dig as deep as you possibly can to understand what the supplier's wants, needs, and goals are so that we can create value for them and lower the total cost of ownership throughout the whole supply chain instead of just trying to do profit compression, which is a very parasitic way to save money.
I would like to thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Procure Strategy Podcast. And if you like what you heard today, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast for future episodes. Look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.